Welcome to the Healthcare Business Secrets Show, where we interview industry leaders and break down exactly how they're dominating their markets so you can learn from the best and can double your revenue, double your impact, and double your time off. In this episode, we're speaking with Nathan Hirsch. Nathan scaled a $25 million business on Amazon selling toys and baby products, but always struggled to hire help. So he set out to build a better marketplace to hire virtual assistants. Uh, he grew this business to eight figures with only his partner and a team of 35 rock star virtual assistants, no office and no US based employees. Free Up started with $5,000 in 2015 and reached 12 million in annual revenue in 2019 before it was acquired in late 2019. In 2020, he launched Cracking the VA Code, an in-depth course that teaches people his exact systems and processes for interviewing, onboarding, training, and managing virtual assistants. Super excited to have you on the show. I think this is going to be amazingly relevant to our audience. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Dude, this is so good. I, I'm always telling my clients, you got to get into the world of VAs because, and like we're talking about pre-show, you'll find some of the hardest working, focused conscientious people as VAs. And sometimes it's even, you know, it's hard to find people where we are who are like that because the expectations around work and everything like that is different, but also naturally uh, because of the way the economies work and things, it works out to be quite a bit cheaper too to get help and you can have them around the clock. So tell us, give us a bit of background on you, um, how you even got into the Amazon space and then kind of what was required for you to go from, I've got a big e-commerce business, but I want to start pivoting to something else because I'd love to know because I think it's really interesting for our audience to see that transition that people go through with their business. So give us some background. Yeah, so I was a broke college kid. Uh, my parents were, were teachers and it always made me get jobs and internships from the time I was 15 on. So I kind of felt like I had a glimpse of what life was like after college and I didn't want any part of it. I hated having a boss. I hated having a set schedule. So when I was in school, I started looking for ways to make money. And the first idea that came to my mind was buying and selling people's textbooks because I would buy books for hundreds of dollars, try to sell it back to the bookstore. They would offer me pennies in the dollar. And I said, you know what? I'll sell these books myself online. One of the places I sold these books was Amazon. So that's how I came across Amazon for the first time. So I sold my books. I started selling my friend's books. I created a, a referral program. And before I knew it, I had lined out the door of people trying to sell me their books to the point where I got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off. I was stealing too much of their business. So that was like my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And I, I had this Amazon account. It was brand new. This is 2009. No one really knew what Amazon was. There were no courses, no gurus, nothing there. And so I started experimenting and trying lots of different things to see what I could get to sell. And after six months of trial and error, I finally came across baby products. And I started building relationships with different manufacturers. For whatever reason, baby products really sold well on Amazon. And so I was growing this business. I needed help. I started hiring college kids all around me. And that was an absolute disaster. They were very unreliable, wasted a lot of time, a lot of money tried hiring adults. They were expensive and didn't really take me seriously as a 20-year-old entrepreneur. So a buddy of mine told me about the, the virtual assistant space. And I hired my first VA. She was a rock star, hired some other ones who weren't as good, but I kind of saw it as a solution to my hiring problems. And I set out to build systems and processes that would allow me to hire rock stars consistently. And when I was finally able to do that, I ended up selling over $25 million on Amazon starting another company free up that we got to eight figures and sold completely run by VAs. And, and now we teach other people our systems. To answer your other question, 
So Amazon was great at the beginning. It was my first business. It was exciting. But at the end of the day, not passionate about baby products, completely dependent on Amazon. I mean, they, they owned everything. They could change an algorithm. They could shut down any product they wanted. I had zero control. And I didn't have any kind of brand. Like no one knows who you are when you're a seller on Amazon. So, and it's B2C. So after doing it for years and kind of going in circles with Amazon and at the beginning, we're like, oh, we're going to take down Amazon. We're going to take down the world. By the end of it, there's a lot more competition, a lot more courses, a lot more gurus. We're still making money, but we're not really building anything. We're kind of just going in circles, adjusting to whatever Amazon's doing. So when we started the second business free up on the side, which was B2B, helping other entrepreneurs, we had our own brand, we had our own website. Amazon couldn't just shut us down. That was a lot more fun. And as that blew up and, and surpassed our Amazon sales, it became a, a very easy personal decision to, to stop selling on Amazon and, and focus on uh, free up. Yeah, hundred percent. That's amazing. And so, what are you doing now then with with this new business? Is it a coaching business? Is it more of like an online course? How does that work? Yeah. So it, you mentioned the the course. We started off uh, back in March launching this course, cracking the VA code. And I mean, just because we, we sold the business doesn't mean every idea we come out with is, is going to be a good one. So we didn't know if people would like it or hate it. We took it to market. If people hated it, we were just going to refund everyone and go move on to something else. But People really liked it and they wanted more. And so we, we started coming out with these different trainings, how to get on podcasts with VAs, how to do lead generation, how to do customer service with virtual assistants. And instead of just selling a million different courses and trainings and, and all this stuff, we turn it into a membership. So now if people go to outsourceschool.com, they can join for 97 bucks a month or 997 for the year. And they get access to all these different trainings with new training coming out every month, all these cheat sheets, templates that they can just plug into their business for interviewing, for meeting, for hiring for certain roles, along with support community and software to really help them optimize their systems and create a scalable lean business. That's awesome. So let's talk about VAs then. I think that there's two schools, right? Like there's these early adopters and kind of entrepreneurial types where we jump in and we're like, we can pay people less money to do better work in some cases and get people to be working around the clock for us just from their laptops in all kinds of crazy countries. This is amazing. Let's do it. And there's others of us who are freaking out going, I can't do that. You know, what about the legalities of it? And I can't trust them and blah, blah, blah. What would you say to someone who's maybe a health professional, they're running a business, they've got an administrator who's doing a lot of their tasks, but they're kind of overpaying them for the work that they're really doing uh, and they want to be more efficient. What would you say to them if they're even considering VAs or if they've never even thought about it to kind of get them enrolled in the idea of, hey, I could probably just outsource this to someone maybe in the Philippines who would do a better job for far less money? Right. And here's the thing. There's a personal preference side of it too. We actually, and we didn't expect this. We've got people in outsource school who will take our systems and use it with their US staff or use it with their hybrid of US staff and VA. So you still have to learn how to hire. If you want to be an entrepreneur, we still teach people how to hire. And then it's up to you if you want to apply it on US, on India, on Philippines, wherever it is you want. Now you mentioned that drastically overpaying for the admin role. And I'll take that a step further. And I can only speak for US dollars. I don't know what people get paid uh, in New Zealand, but let, let's say you hire an admin for 15 bucks an hour, which in the US, that, that's not a bad rate. That's not a good rate. That's just like a average, decent opportunity for them. And so you hire someone at 15 bucks an hour, best case scenario, you invest time, energy, money, you train them. They are a rock star. They're so good at their job. How long are they really going to be happy at 15 bucks an hour? Eventually, they're going to want 18. They're going to want 20. They're going to want 25. And then you have a tough decision to make as an entrepreneur. Do you drastically overpay 
for that role because that can pull resources away from money that you actually do have to hire experts for stuff you don't know how to do like marketing and sales and expansion or do you cut that person loose and then you lose out on all that time you train them where you flip it and you hire someone from the Philippines for five bucks an hour, which is actually a, a great rate for them. The minimum rate in the Philippines is 12 bucks a day. And if they're a rock star, give them seven, give them nine. They're going to be with you for a very long time if you treat them right. So it's not just about what you're paying them today. It's the ability to actually keep someone around going forward because turnover absolutely kills businesses. And the other last piece to kind of touch on the whole ethical thing, I can't tell you how many clients could not hire a U.S. employee, hired virtual assistants, grew their business, and then hired the U.S. employee. So they still provided a job to someone in the U.S. The VAs kept their jobs. Not everyone can just dive right into hiring U.S. employees, but it's totally up to you if you want to go just one way, just the other, or create a mm. hybrid of both. What would you be looking at doing? Like if I'm like, okay, I'm sold on the idea of having VAs. I know that this will work for me, but what am I going to get them to do? Like, I don't have enough stuff for a VA to be full-time, part-time. Like, how am I going to come up with things for them to do? What would you say to someone who's, who's concerned about that? Where should they look first in, in terms of how do I outsource stuff? Yeah. So one of the beauties of it is you can hire people for whatever you need. I've hired VAs for two hours a month, five hours a week, full-time, part-time, flexible schedule. You can create a Rolodex of doers that you can go to. Like I've got three video editors. Whenever I write a project, I throw it in a group chat and, and whoever can get to it does it. And I could go two weeks without a video editing project. So you still want to surround yourself with that town and kind of build up that Rolodex of people you can go to. But you have to decide as an entrepreneur where you're at. Some people, they, they need the clients. They need to try creative ways to get clients. Other people are stuck in the day-to-day. -day. And there's other people like me who, when I start a business, I want to make sure that my focus is 100% where it should be. So my first two hires in every business is a bookkeeper and a someone to run my inbox. Because one, I'm not very good at doing books. If I did them, they would just have to get redone anyway. It's, a to it's not helping me grow my business, me doing QuickBooks every day. And also I need accurate numbers in order to make business decisions. If I'm getting inaccurate numbers all the time, that's going to drastically impact the decisions I make and whether they're good or bad. And then inbox, I like to wake up and do my most productive thing first thing in the morning. Well, if I have to wake up and spend an hour in emails, that's going to, to cause a lot of issues. So I like to focus on getting my focus from day one, but other people are in a different spot. There might be a coach or someone listening who they need clients before they do anything else. They need to hire a virtual assistant to do lead generation to get them on podcast, to do PR outreach, all that kind of stuff before they can even think of having someone in their inbox. So it's not a one size fits all. And that's why when people join outsource school, we do a, a onboarding call where we do a custom roadmap where we figure out who their first hire should be and how they should go through our stuff. Makes sense. So now do you hire VAs that just have skills and can just do it? Like, is this like a throw people at problems situation? Or is this like a, I need to map out how I'm doing it, have a process in place and then, then put the VA on the other side? So everyone wants the, the just snap your fingers, VA comes in, knows how to do everything. It, it usually doesn't exist. It sounds good in theory, but doesn't happen. But even if best case scenario, you do find a VA, let's say you find a VA who's really good at getting you leads. You want to own the systems and processes in your business. If you don't own those, you are always at risk for someone else to use their leverage against you. They might increase the price. They might quit on you. They could hold your entire business hostage. And I've seen it before. I had a, a client at FreeUp who he hired an agency in the Philippines to run his marketing agency. 
And it was a family in the Philippines. They brought a ton of experience and they were crushing it for his clients. One day he pissed off someone in that family. The entire family quit on him and out went all of his systems, all of his processes. So mm. you want to own as many systems and processes in your business as possible. If you find a virtual system that has experience doing stuff, that's great. But you want to have systems and processes. Because then you can, if someone was to, to not be able to do the role anymore or uh, you have a falling out or they're no good or whatever, you can just bring someone else in, right? So the reason I'm asking these questions is, is these are the things that I first had myself. I'm like, what do I do? Like, what do I outsource and how do I do this? And what about processes and things like that? Now I understand it's like, I'm looking for a person to be able to implement on the stuff that I've created systems around that I can't otherwise automate. There's apps, for example, Buffer, that'll let you automate your posting to social media. So therefore, you shouldn't be using a person to do it if you just want to be scheduling lots of content because there's a software to do it. But in cases where you can't have a software to do it or the software's not practical or you need a bit more personal input, then having a person in place is going to be the best thing to do. And so just simply with email, like that changed my life when I got a VA to do my email. All I did was I went through, I made a Loom video and I went through a bunch of the emails that I know are important that regularly come. And I said, this is what you got to do. You got to look at, open the email and you're going to say, is it addressed to me? Then scroll down to the bottom and go, does it have an unsubscribe link? If it does, it's not really addressed to me. So delete it. If it doesn't have it, then you ask me and then you learn from that. And then I want you to document the rules around from what I'm teaching you. So I got my VA to go through initially and she was sending me messages. But instead of me going in and going through 500 emails, I was going through 10 because she just got rid of most of it. Then I said to her, cool, now document what you've learned from me. Write it up in a Google document. She did. Now there's a process. So now if I upgrade her to something else or you know, push her to some other task, I can have another VA come in, watch the Loom videos that she's created with the documentation on how to do it. Someone else can come in. And so I just made a simple process. I put a person in that role instead of me. And I thought about it in terms of how long am I spending on my email? Let's say I spend two hours a day doing email. How much is my time worth? If my time is worth more than five 10 bucks an hour, get someone else to do it. Like I've outsourced everything in my life as much as possible and realized that the only things that I should be doing are the stuff that only I can do in the immediate moment, not the things that I think that I'm better at and therefore am taking them over. I might always be best at email, but should I really be focusing on email? That's the question. And so I've started to outsource everything because now it frees up uh, decision-making space, mental, emotional space, and time and money to put onto resources uh, and into things that only I can do, right? So as a practice owner running a brick-and-mortar clinic, I brought in VAs to handle lead calls. I found someone who was speaking good English, um, clear, gave her a process, and now she rings all of our leads from our Facebook ads and books them into our appointment book. That means I don't have to pay my staff member. New, New Zealand has different minimum wages. So uh, I don't have to pay my staff member 20 bucks an hour to ring leads, which is a non-skilled job. Responding to support queries, non-skilled job. So therefore, I don't need to have the fancy employee. She can handle the front desk and do the telephone calls when people ring. And I've got my VA doing all the stuff behind the scenes, making my business efficient. So now you talked about bookkeeping. To me, that's the kind of next thing on my list, but I'm thinking, doesn't that need an accountant? Doesn't need that need a bookkeeper? Like, how did you go about outsourcing that to a VA, someone who's doesn't know much about your business or anything about how it runs, isn't in your country to know how to do these things. What did you do to kind of step-by-step like document, not in a whole of detail, but like document that process to then bring someone in to take over it? Because I can see that being a huge game changer for especially us when we're doing insurance billing or any kinds of stuff like that. 
So there are certain roles that it takes longer to hire for, like sales VAs, bookkeepers, even customer service, depending on your business, is a little bit different than hiring someone for lead generation. I can get a lead generation person set up in a few hours. Bookkeeping can take longer than that. The other thing to keep in mind is they're not my accountant. They're not filing my taxes. They're not giving me tax advice. I still have an accountant but they don't do my day-to-day bookkeepings. And you might have billings for clients, refunds. Like I want a VA to handle all of that. So you do want to find someone that knows bookkeeping. You don't want to teach someone how to do bookkeeping and that knows bookkeeping in your country. But we have templates that we want to get. For example, a monthly report every single month that looks exactly the way that we want it. We have a certain way that we want clients to get billed, that we want refunds to be processed, that we want to get information on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Every business knows like the different types of expenses they have, the different types of clients and revenue streams. So you're really spending time laying all that out. So someone that already knows bookkeeping can go in and figure out those systems. Now, here's where you do have to lean on some expertise. You want to have an accountant that's open to working with the VA. Not all do. Our accountant's fantastic, but that can also tell you if your VA is messing up. Because to be honest, like if I get a report, I'm going to know if something's way off. But if they're miscategorizing small things here and there, I might not catch it, but my accountant will definitely catch it. So you're leaning on someone else's expertise to help you vet your VA on a skill set that might not be your best skill set, if that makes sense. 100%. I think that the, the thing to think about as well is immediately in my head, you know, old James in my head says, well, you know, that's going to be time consuming. And what if there's errors and they're going to have to fix it? I might as well just pay the premium and have my accountant's team, et cetera, do it. I would love to hear your opinion on it uh, as well. But my opinion on that is, I want to have control over how things are going and I want to have the least number of agencies handling stuff for me as possible. And so if I can have my VA doing it with some subtle mistakes, but they get fixed up, A, that's going to be way more cost effective than paying an agency accounting firm to do it. B, it's kept in-house and I can stay on top of them with how they're doing it and I can do it exactly the way that I want. And it's my employee. And I've also found, to be honest, that when you get the right VA, they have worked harder. Uh, and are more committed to the role. Uh, I had one who there was a there was a typhoon or something, and she lost internet for like three days. And she finally came back online, and she was so apologetic, and just took such care. And she's like, "I'm going to stay up all night and make sure I get this stuff done." And I was like, "Please don't do that. Please just you know pace yourself." But she was just willing. Whereas I've had staff uh, who you know, and it's always a hiring thing, but I've just found because of the ease of being able to find people, and because of the fact that there's a larger volume, and they're hungrier often as well. It just makes things so much better. So what's what's your opinion on that? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like with FreeUp, we're billing $200,000 a week with our clients. Like my accountant's not going to do day-to-day billing. I don't even think that's a service they offer. Could I go out and hire a US bookkeeper? Maybe, but if, I, if I'm very good at hiring VAs and I have a system and process that works, it's going to be a lot cheaper. And bookkeeping is also one of the things where the price difference is even more drastic than customer support. I mentioned like customer support in the US is 15 bucks an hour, a VA is five bucks an hour. Well, a bookkeeper in the US is 150 bucks an hour and a VA that does bookkeeping is five to 10 bucks an hour. So if you can learn how to master the VA, you're saving money there. And you have to think about the, the difference between you've got followers, you've got doers, and you got experts where the followers are things that you have systems and processes for. The five to 10 bucks an hour, non-US. The doers are the specialists, the graphic designers, the video editors, photographers. Like I'm not going to be able to do video editing as well as uh, someone who does video editing eight hours a day. And then you got the experts, the high level strategy, sales, marketing, branding, whatever it is. 
And the more money that you're not spending on the followers, you're still going to need the followers. But the more money you can save there, the more you can put into the doers and the experts. And that's the kind of stuff that really grows your business. Like whether you have $150 an hour bookkeeper doing it 99% right or $5 an hour VA doing it 95% right instead of 99, like that doesn't make that big of a difference except for the money that you're saving that you're now able to take and put towards the doers and the experts. 100%, 100%. So help me with this list, but off the top of my head, things I'm thinking about for health professionals, coaches, and trainers is administrative tasks. Like very first thing, administrative tasks is what you want to be getting off your plate. Stuff that's just a grind, that's busy work, that doesn't directly make you money, or at least even if it does, someone else could do it like a machine could if you just wrote a couple lines of open email, check if has unsubscribed link, delete. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that even handling customer support and pointing them towards resources, right? Bookkeeping, outreach, getting people to reach out to JV partners, podcasts, stuff like that with a process of how you would like them to do it. They could spend 18 hours a day just reaching out to people and do a killer job with that. I've got VAs doing video editing. VAs that just is my executive assistant. I feel super fancy. I just box her messages or WhatsApp. I'm like, I need this. I just take a picture of receipts. I'm like, store it somewhere. Like I've got it to the point where she's now thinking for me. And then once a week, I'm like, where's all that stuff? And she's like, it's here, 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 and here because she's structured and I'm not. And so I'm able to just send out a message. I need this thing. Can you order this? Find out what restaurants are in Auckland that do vegetarian food, like anything. And then it starts expanding well beyond the business too and into your personal life. My VA does a whole lot of organizing of things for me, appointments, managing of that kind of thing. I haven't got her doing this yet, but I'm going to give her a Skype account with a New Zealand-based phone number, which will be my phone number. She can then ring people. It'll appear as my phone number. And if they text or reply, I get the message. But she's able to go out and ring and organize my car to go to the, you know, get a warrant of fitness and registration or all this kind of stuff. And so it starts, your, your mind starts to go, holy crap, like I can get rid of all this stuff in my life and have this clarity to focus on the things. And if I was to pay for that, I'd have to be super rich right? To have personal assistance and things like that. So what else can you add to that list that you think that health professionals, coaches, and trainers could maybe think about what they could outsource that they might not have even thought about before? What's some really interesting stuff that you've seen people outsource with VAs that are same of time, made their money, that kind of thing? <laughs> also, I'm a vegetarian too. So very cool. I've also seen clients use VAs to manage their fantasy football team. I always thought that was funny. <laughs> I don't know if that's a big thing in, in New Zealand, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned a lot of the, the trainings that we have. I mean, you've got the customer service, you've got the bookkeeping, you've got sales calls. And, and I mean, sales is everything from lead generation to follow-up to booking appointments, to getting on the phone and actually closing someone, all that can be done with VAs. I have VAs actually onboard clients, getting their company information, just logging into our system, explaining them next steps, stuff like that. You mentioned joint partnerships. We not only have people that'll reach out for joint partnerships, but we'll actually run the partnership program on the back end and communicate with our blog writers to do a blog swap or a newsletter blast or our video editors to put some cross-promotion content together our YouTube channel, all of our social media is all run by virtual assistants, all stuff that healthcare providers should be doing. Yeah. I mean, you could go on and on, like anything that you need to do in your business, whether it's finance, sales, marketing, branding, whatever it is, can all be broken down into different things that can be done by virtual assistants. I guess kind of the real answer then to that question is anything that you can hire a person for in general, and you can be as inventive as you want, you can find a rock star who just doesn't live in the US, in New Zealand, in Australia, in Canada, wherever. Find someone in a different country where the cost of living is lower, 
And so you can pay them what is much greater than what they would expect in normal jobs, train them up to do that job. A VA isn't anything special. It's just a person who's got skills and is hardworking, but is because of the cost of living of where they are, it means less pay. It doesn't mean that, and one thing I want to preface with this is we're not being jerks by not paying people. What we're saying is that, I'll give you an example. My wife's from, from India and over there, like you get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and it's equivalent to like 20 cents, right? But that same amount is worth a whole lot more and can that same 20 cents can get you a cup of coffee and then 40 cents will get you lunch. And so because of the cost of living, I'm not a finance guy, right? But the economy that is different, you can make less money and you can live better. So we often feel sometimes we're in this Western countries, cost of living is much higher. Therefore, we pay our people higher, but we think that we're then not paying these people enough versus realizing that actually you're paying them an equivalent amount for the cost of living where they are. Does that make yeah, sense? Like, thing- yeah, expand on that. The thing I'll add is I don't want to propose like not paying people well. Like we had VAs at FreeUp who are team leaders who are making over 20 bucks an hour, like making 20 bucks an hour in the Philippines, you're crushing it. When we sold FreeUp, we took $500,000 from the sale and gave it to our internal team in the Philippines to thank them because they were a major part in growing growing FreeUp. And we gave quarterly bonuses and we gave raises over time. Like you can still treat people really well. Now everyone's a different part of your business. If you're a sole entrepreneur with two clients, maybe you can't be doing stuff like that. If you're running a big company, you can spend the extra money and treat people well. So we're not proposing not to treat people well, but like you said, the cost of living is different. It's a completely different economy. And there's certain ways that you can use that to create a win-win for both you and the virtual assistant. And there's also other things besides money that you can do to make it a win-win. It could be schedule, giving them half set schedule, half flex. I had VAs who needed to drop their kids off from school back in the day where kids went to school in, in the Philippines before COVID. And, and we would give them a two-hour break in the middle of the day and none of their other clients were willing to do it. Like there's lots of small things that you can do. My goal is always to be my virtual assistant's favorite client. If you're not your VA's favorite client, you're always at risk that their other client who they like more is going to offer them more hours, more money, full time, exclusive, whatever it is, or that they'll be looking for other jobs. So yes, you can pay people less than they make in your home country, but you still need to do what you can to become your VA's favorite client and make it a win for you as well as a win for them. Exactly. I love that. I love that. It's literally exactly the same just because of the economy of it. It allows us to have our dollar go further for them. And that's what this is about. Where do you typically go looking for VAs? When I think VA, I think Philippines, but um, where do you typically find people? Yeah. So my overall advice for people is you don't want to go out and hire like two people from India, two people from the Philippines, two people from South Africa. If you're, if you're new to hiring VAs, cause you're just adding a lot of extra work to your plate. There's going to be cultural differences, time zones. You're going to have to get them to work together. It can be done. It's just a lot harder than sticking with one place. And if you're going to stick with one place, Philippines is a great place to start. I hire most of my VAs in the Philippines, obviously costs, which you already talked about, but they're also worked to, used to working US hours or different hours. And they can be very, flexible around that. BPO, which is customer service telemarketing, is one of the biggest jobs there. So a lot of them are used to those admin customer service roles that have different schedules. They're also all about family, which is great when you want to reduce turnover in your business. You can create a great family inside your business. Building relationships is key. We actually have a a video in our free trial called Hiring from the Philippines 101. And it it, it talks about this for another 20 minutes or so. But there's a lot of benefits for starting in the Philippines. With that said, there's 
plenty of talented virtual assistants all over the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Amazing. What do you think health professionals, coaches, and trainers should do this week to actually get out of their comfort zone and make some of this stuff happen? Like I know what it's like when you actually jump the fence and get into this world of hiring outside of your local area and finding rock stars. What's something that they should be focusing on to doing so they can actually get to that place of experiencing what it's like to have your own personal assistant who's amazing? So we have this VA calculator. If you go to outsourceschool.com slash VA calculator or do the math yourself. But first thing you have to do is figure out what your actual hiring budget is. And your goal to start off is to just get five hours a week back. Five hours a week back is going to save you six and a half weeks over the course of a year. It's going to cost you 1300 bucks for the year for a $5 an hour virtual assistant. But you need to be able to make sure you can afford that. So do the math, look at the numbers in your business, make sure you can hire a VA for five hours a week and figure out what would a virtual assistant do for five hours a week in your business. I didn't just wake up one day and hire 35 full-time virtual assistants. I started off with five hours a week. I've done that in multiple companies I've started, and you can build up from there. You can always increase their hours, hire more people, make them full-time, whatever that is. But set the focus on how do I get a VA doing five hours of the work? What tasks am I doing every single week that I can take off my plate right away? And that becomes your number one goal. Amazing. Definitely. I just think for those of you listening, like imagine you save five hours a week. What would you do with those five hours in your life that you're currently spending on email, responding to clients, doing social media, editing videos, posting things like just the crap that is just not worth it, right? And you're looking at all this time, you're spending all this hassle, all this stress, all this busyness. What if you save five, 10, 15 hours? I save so many hours by bringing on people to do things for me. And it made me more efficient and more effective. And everything I look at now, I'm thinking in terms of, is this effective or should I just make a process and have my VA do it or someone else do it? And so suddenly I'm thinking about business differently. And in doing so, it's allowed me to scale and grow massively because I'm being efficient. Businesses only grow when you're efficient. If you're not efficient, like it's, it's like a giant cruise ship that's going nowhere. And it's very hard to pivot and there's a lot of wastage. Sometimes we just think that's part of business, but it's not, and it definitely doesn't have to. And even if you're, you know, you're a solo practitioner, you're a massage practitioner, uh, you have no assistant right now, you're doing everything, get a VA to handle ringing your clients or responding to emails or reaching out to them or handling stuff that would save you a couple hours. Like imagine that you saved two hours a week and you got extra clients in for those two hours instead. You traded five bucks an hour for 80 bucks an hour. It's just math. It just makes sense. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. This is going to be an amazing episode. Where can our audience find you? And we've also got a little special for them, don't we? Yeah. So first of all, feel free to connect with me on any social media channel, Nathan Hirsch, uh, but go to outdoorschool.com. And if you use coupon code HBS, you're going to save 15% on our yearly plan. You get a few free months in there. It's pretty cool. Um, and you can even grab a free trial right on the site. You can even set up a call right with my Rockstar VA teams. If you want to see what a Rockstar VA looks like, set up that call. It's pretty cool. Amazing. Thank you so much. HBS for Healthcare Business Secrets. It's a special for the show. I'm going to make sure there's links in the description. Everyone check that out. Even if you just get a free trial to just learn some of the stuff and connect with them and see how it's done, because there's huge possibilities for you to expand your business, expand your impact, make more money and have way more free time because you've got people managing stuff for you instead of you just being overwhelmed and busy. Thank you so much, Nathan. Appreciate you. And uh, we'll speak soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. 
If you like the episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it as it helps us get our episodes out to more people just like you who want to know how to increase their revenue, impact more people and build businesses that work for the lifestyle they want. Now, I know your time is valuable and I know that you are here to learn the secrets to success in your health business. So I have something special for you just for checking out the episode. Now, if you're a health professional, coach or trainer in business, and you're serious about growing a profitable, impactful business, then pay attention because as a listener of the show, I want you to win. And so I've created a host of resources available exclusively for listeners of the show. So if you're tired of trying to figure out this game of business, marketing and sales all on your own, and you're ready to just implement what's already proven to work rather than reinventing the wheel, I want you right now to go and check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. That's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. And there you'll find over $5,000 worth of trainings, resources, and coaching available only for listeners of the show. Again, that's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. There I'll give you resources on everything from how to acquire 10 times more of your ideal clients using social media and paid ads, even referrals, how to increase your client conversion into packages at an 80 to 90% conversion rate like me, how to retain your clients for longer, getting them better results and making them happier, how to increase your prices and charge a premium to work with you and how you can build a six, multi-six, even seven-figure practice just like I did but with a tenth of the time and a tenth of the effort. What I want you to realize is that everything I teach comes from exactly what I did to have success and still have success in my own health business and I want to share that with you so you can have success too. So go check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider right now and let me help you win big in your health business. Also remember to subscribe for two episodes every week full of the secrets to have success in your health business as well as leave us a review so we know what you thought of the show. And I'll see you on the next episode.